From VinePair's New York City headquarters, I'm Adam Teeter. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the Friday VinePair Podcast. You know, Zach, I feel like this topic we're going to talk about today is one that has come up a few times. We got another email about it, and it just feels like the right time to talk about it because it is that time of year, and that time of year is wedding season. Although, I don't know about you, I kind of feel like I've noticed, it seems like in the past few years, wedding season isn't as heavily traditionally June and July as it used to be, and I feel like a lot of people are moving into like late summer, early, and like fall weddings seem to be very on trend, at least in this area of the country. But the email that we received from a reader, I mean a listener recently, was basically, he's getting married, and wanted some congrats, and wanted some help uh, with the wedding bar. And I think that like the wedding bar is one of these things that has a lot of stress because if I'm being honest, the drinks are what really do ensure that people have a good time at the wedding, right? That's why most people are there. Um, <laughs> well, that the food, you know. No, because you know what? The food is always going to suck. I think you have to just Oh, accept. I don't agree. Oh, I do. I think you have to accept it. You just picked the wrong caterer, man. No, I I think you have to expect that, like, the food is always not going to be as amazing as, like, a really nice restaurant. Never. Never. Well, sure. Okay. I don't think that's anyone's expectation. Right. But But I don't think that means it sucks. Yeah, but it's going to be fine. It's going to be the least memorable thing, I guess, is what I'm going to say. People, like, here's here's my, what the rule I always tell you about the food. You just have to make sure, I guess, it doesn't suck, right? It's it's good. It it nourishes you, and no one. If the food's right, the chicken's rubbery, or like the fish was cold, or like the salmon had the coagulate coming out of it, and it's over. You know what I mean? People remember that. But as long as the food is like good, right, decent, people are like the food was great because that's actually not why they're there. They're there to celebrate, to have fun. I actually think like in the food department, you can correct me if you disagree. But I think that like the hors d'oeuvres are actually even more important than the main course. Like, Maybe. have like a lot of really delicious shit that's being passed around. Or, like, yeah, like the places I do remember where the food has been good. So like someone who did like a whole oyster bar, or yeah. you know, like a raw bar thing, or there was cool like I don't know stuff happening with truffles. We know how I feel about those, or <laughs> you know, just f- fun you know fun food that was easy sushi that kind of stuff in the very beginning before because when you sit down, also people are dancing, whatever. But I think the one way you can ensure that people don't have a great time at your wedding is if there's any issues with the drinks. Yeah. And, you know, that's because people come to a wedding to have fun. Like that's what, you know, they're they're getting dressed up. They're giving you hopefully a very nice gift and they're at the wedding to have a good time. The problem is that depending on where you get married, there's like more restrictions probably with the, the drinks than there even are with the food. Right, like sure. I'm sure there's some things where you can like, oh, are you sure you don't have one other caterer I can talk to, or like, are you sure I really can't have a thousand Shake Shack burgers show up at the end of the night or whatever the hell <laughs> you want to do, right? Like, there's some things to do with that, but like, depending on where you're getting married, the alcohol regulations are what they are. Some places you yeah. can bring in your own alcohol. Some places you have to order, but I think it is up to the drinks to power people through the night. Um, and so that's what we're going to talk about, right? I, but, you know, I, I do want to sort of – I don't want to focus too much on the one question um, that this person had, which is like what drinks could would you – like what spirits would you sub in or out for like big brand name spirits just because I do think a lot of places 
people don't have that opportunity. But I don't know. I mean, what do, what do you think, Zach? Do you think that do you agree with my assessment that the drinks are the most important thing about the wedding? Well, I mean, besides the celebration of you know two people coming okay, together, okay, to yeah, blah blah here. blah. Everyone's already there for that. Like that's I great. Know. The dress, blah blah blah. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I would say like the the hierarchy is like drinks are very near the top in terms of what ensures a quality wedding. I would say like the quality of music, kind of however you go about yeah, doing totally. that, whether it's band or DJ or your own playlist, but like that's a big part of it too. And then I think, you know, on the drinks front, since that's really what we're what we're the experts on more than, you know, music. Although I guess you're kind of a music expert too, but not me. Used to be. Is um I, I think that to to the question that our listener posed that I want to do I do want to touch on not specific replacements, but this yeah. idea because his point was or his comment was sort of like he's looked at all these different bar packages that these that the vendors have put together. And that it's very centered around extremely recognizable brands that they're charging a lot of money for. That what I would say is that when you're at the point where you're venue shopping, and this for those of you having weddings in 2023, probably too late for this. But you know, you never know what your options might be. And certainly anyone listening who's at some point going to get married and hasn't yet or will again or who knows what. The flexibility that a venue gives you is, I think, an underrated but very important Yes. sort of consideration when venue shopping especially if like if you're listening to this podcast if you're a regular listener you care about what you drink and it sucks to be in a situation where you pick a venue and find out well you know what they have a very they have very strict rules whether that's because of the state you're in which in some cases may just be unavoidable but in a lot of cases it's just venues like to have that additional source of cash flow right they won't let you bring in what you want they won't necessarily work with you they have a very sort of streamlined process that they expect you to fall in line with because that's a big revenue driver for them is you know being able to charge you significant markup on the drinks people are going to drink and you know they got to make money somehow i i get it but when caitlin and i got married one of the single most important considerations for us when looking for venues was how much flexibility will they give us with the food and drink program because for both of us that was a huge part of what we wanted it was more important to us than Mm -hmm. other considerations about a potential venue and you know to each their own some people might really have their heart set on a specific location they might be deeply committed to the idea of something outdoors or something you know just with whatever kind of features and you know you and your partner need to figure out what matters to you all and Again, like I said, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, probably a thing that matters a lot to you is, you know, the, like I said, being able to not just have quality drinks for you, but being able to serve them to your friends, family, yep. and, and assorted well-wishers. And so I think that's step one. Mm. And then I think the other thing I will say, and this is just my opinion, and you might very well disagree, is that when it comes to the spirits portion of an evening, I'm really a big fan of a limited selection or even like honestly what Caitlin and I did was I came up with three pre-batched cocktails and that was those were your spirits options we had lots of beer and wine also and I did that for two reasons one was to have you know a little bit of control over cost and to be able to say that we had cocktails without having to have a fully open bar part of it because I got to create three custom cocktails that I could share with my friends and family and stuff and that was cool and also because it was distinctive, right? It wasn't just, you know, I, I I recall your comment from a previous episode about getting a tequila and soda at weddings, and I think that's fine. But I also think that it can be kind of cool to have this point of differentiation in the same way that you would remember 
the wedding that had a raw bar or served you, I don't know, something with truffles or whatever, right? Having well-executed signature cocktails for the wedding is a kind of cool feature that I think more people should look into if they're able to do that, if the venue will work with you on that. So we're going to agree and disagree a little bit, I think. Fantastic. So, yeah. So I think, you know, the the, the way that I would that I approach this and the advice I give to people who ask me to, like, look at their um, sort of, like, wedding plan is, one, so I worked a lot of weddings in college. I was actually a bartender in weddings. And the one thing that I always tell people is the most important thing, more important than, like, how much beer and wine you're going to serve, if you're going to have a limited selection of spirits or a massive selection of spirits, if you're going to have batch cocktails or not batch cocktails, is how many actual bars are you going to have? And the reason for that is people should not wait for drinks or wait very minimally for drinks. That is usually, I would find, the reason you would have guests complaining the most, right, is – Ugh, like I waited 10 minutes for a drink. This is super annoying, especially like right after the ceremony. Figure out some way that like there's drinks handed out if that's what people want or people walking around with with them um, or that there's more than one bar. Uh, at my wedding, we had four. <laughs> but like, again, we that was important to us. Like we, you know, yeah. we recognized we could either because, you know, what we realized was it was the same amount of staff that they would have put behind two. We just said, well, then can you just do four and split the staff? And they were like, absolutely, that's not a problem. And it just it, – it gives the illusion as well of less of a line, right? Even if it's yeah. going to take a little bit longer, it's like, oh, I'm only waiting behind one person. I'm waiting behind six. And I think that that is something that's really worth thinking about when you're thinking about your wedding is how many guests are you having and like how many bars will they be? Where the, will there be and where are the bars located? The other thing you have to think about with bar location is this. If you – and I've seen this happen at lots of weddings weirdly. If you have a wedding where the music and dancing is very important to you, you need to have a bar that is right off of the dance floor. If yeah. you don't, you are going to lose your guests over and over and over again to another location as they go to get a drink and then come back and continue to dance, right? And I think sometimes that's 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 venue logistics, which never really makes sense to me because I'm like, especially these venues where like this is what they do all the time. The fact that it's there, the bar isn't in the same location is always very odd. But that's really important. Um, then I I do think there's some things you should think about and some things that I I don't think matter as much. I think. One of the most important things for you to think about is, uh, you know, what spirits you want to have behind the bar and having sort of a a very qu- solid option for all of the core spirits, right? Tequila, bourbon, scotch, uh, vodka, you know, that those types of things that, that you know people really enjoy, right? You don't need Midori back there. You don't, you know, you don't need chartreuse. If you're really into chartreuse, fine. You can find at this point, fine. But, like, you don't need those things. You know, don't have Campari behind the bar unless you are going to, which is going to be my next point, pre-batch Negronis or something, right? There's no need for you to make sure there's Campari, et cetera. Just have the core spirits. And then what I have found is the worst thing that happens at weddings, this is where I will agree with you, Zach, is that you have – you know, someone try to build a full bar program. The problem is that like often, including myself, I was a 20-year-old working a 
working weddings, right, as a bartender. Yeah. I didn't know how to make to your spec a, vod- a dirty vodka martini, right? I didn't know. Yeah. Like, I was there to, like, quickly measure out the pours and work as fast as I can. The vermouth is usually shit. Like, don't – you are not getting – bartenders who are you know who work at katana kitten or death and company and this is their night off like that's not what you're getting and that's totally fine so like first of all understand that like by you putting the additional ingredients back there like the vermouths and the bitters etc all you're doing is putting the bartender in a position to be kind of like often mansplained to by a guest who's like well uh can you make a Manhattan? Uh, I don't know. Well, uh, maybe. Well, let me show you how to make it. Like, don't do that. Like, just have the cores with easy mixers, right? If people want to drink te- Blanco tequila straight on the rocks, let them do that. If they want to have it with soda, let them do that, right? Have the very easy things. And then if you want to have cocktails, I do firmly agree with Zach. Have them batched, you know, and have a, have a few of them. I think one of the things that is kind of like, lame a little bit about weddings and this is like the the bride and the groom's cocktail and it's only available like for the first you know 30 minutes during either the hors d'oeuvre happy hour or whatever or the right as people were sitting down that's become a new trend now where people get a drink before they go into the ceremony which is also interesting mm-hmm. like do not do that like if you're gonna have cocktails have them the entire time and have them pre-batched so it's really easy for the staff and they can be told this is how you do it right all it, these this is this martini we're serving it's a you know, simple gin martini. All you have to do is pull it out of the freezer and serve it, or pull it out of the ice bucket and serve it. Like that's it. Yeah. Pour it in the glass. I think that that's really important. But then when it comes to the spirits, like I'm of the mind that if you can get the best quality for that are still brands that people are somewhat aware of. Um, yeah. I I think that like the problem with weddings is that people. You know, you have a you know whole different group of people that are there, and if you're like, oh, you know, I'm going to get these brands that they've never heard of that I know are like these sleeper hits. Like, people aren't at your wedding to be educated, right? This is not the forum for them to like learn about this this tequila that's you know punches above its weight. Like, if you know that out of the main tequilas people you know drink, that for example, I don't know, Terramana is the best at the price, then just do Terramana, right? Like, yeah. Pour the rocks tequila. Like, don't find some obscure small batch tequila that you know no one's ever gonna be able to find again because they're gonna they're gonna ask the bartender about it. The bartender's not gonna know. Like, this is not you're not opening your own private bar or restaurant for the night. And I think the thing to note here is it's important that if you're picking something that isn't reasonably recognizable, that you be able to communicate why. Right? If you and your partner went to Jalisco and visited this distillery and it's the tequila you love best, then by all means serve it, but tell the bartenders, like you should be able to communicate either you directly, or if you have a, you know, a wedding planner, whomever should be able to pass that basic information on. So they can say, you know, this is the happy couple's favorite tequila. and They're thrilled to share it with you. Should you like tequila or whatever the thing may be. Right. I don't think you necessarily have to, can't necessarily go outside of very conventional brands but i do think you have to have reasons for that and if your reason is just like well it was cheap then okay but that's also going to say something about you to your guests and and that might be a fair thing to say right everyone has a budget and some people's budget is going to go more into some parts of their wedding than others and that's fine too again those of you listening to this probably are going to want to allocate a fair bit of your wedding budget towards the food and drink if you're anything like adam or me yep 
I also think that the the batch cocktails are a thing I should have mentioned before, and then your comments really remind me of is the other real advantage for them is that they allow you to serve cocktails that are also very quick for the bar to prepare. So instead of the Manhattan, that is not a very complicated cocktail, but is a multi-step cocktail that involves stirring and stuff, you can have something that is either already pre-diluted and, and at the right temp and can just be poured or at worst poured into a, a shaker or, or into a glass and stirred and it's re- ready to go for the bartenders to make things as quick as possible because i agree 100 percent with adam no one wants to have to stand in line for 10 or 15 minutes while every person kind of orders their own special drink that has to be made a certain way like that is that's not very fun when you're going to a cocktail bar it's way less fun when you're at a wedding yeah. i think the other thing i wanted to say about on the spirits front in particular and this is something that i learned a little bit the hard way is it's also really good if you're going to do this, especially if you're going to have pre-batch cocktails, to have at least one of them be a relatively low-proof cocktail. Because for one, people have all kinds of different tolerances, but it is a wedding and people do like to kind of drink throughout the evening. They just may be ill-prepared for what four or five drinks over the course of three or four hours might do to them, even if for you or me or for many listeners, that doesn't seem like all that much to drink. But giving them a, a low proof, like a punch or yep, something like that, that is fun to drink, that doesn't have a lot of booze in it, but is a little boozy, you know, gives them a little something to work with, is, I think, a really good option. And, you know, make that perhaps even relatively explicit on the way, however you're choosing to, you know, list people's options. It's like, hey, this one is our kind of lighter drink or whatever, right. so that people who want to just have something in their hand, but maybe don't want to drink wine or beer, can have an option. Some kind of spritz, something. I think also, like, this is where you have to think about the other things that you're serving. So one of the things I think is really important to be aware of is if you are going to do cocktails, you have to assume that people are going to drink them, right? Because now this is something cool that you've done. You've, you know, you've batched old fashions. You've batched margaritas, like whatever you've done. So people are going to want to drink those, especially in the beginning. So there's going to be a lot of spirits consumed. I think that means very much that you need to try your best to ensure that you have at least one lower alcohol wine, right? So don't blast people's face off within a high, you know, a high alcohol full body chart and like a high alcohol cab, right? Try to have some kind of wine and the same thing for beer. Like if you're a beer person too, don't stock the cooler with double IPAs. Like it's not good for anybody having one sort of Crisp, refreshing, Pilsner, Lager, et cetera, at four and a half to five percent is great. Having some seltzers, maybe you know, maybe some seltzers like we talked about last Friday. Like all of that is a really good idea, so that people do have other options, so that they can, ha- you know, maybe have a cocktail or two and then be sessionable the rest of the evening. I think you know sometimes the the, the thing you hear about at certain weddings where where it gets a little sloppy is when like there were a lot of really good drinks, but they were all really high in alcohol and people just get a little too shit faced for sure. You know, I also think that this is where you should stress a lot less about the sparkling wine, especially right. I need sparkling wine for the toast. Okay. First of all, it doesn't have to be champagne. Like it really doesn't at this point, you know, especially depending on how big your wedding is, you can get away with a really nice Prosecco, Cremant, like Cava, et cetera. And then finally, the one faux pas that I see happen a lot at weddings, especially weddings where there is like this ability for people to bring in their own stuff is please, please, please don't bring like special bottles with you 
or have like your dad have them or your best man or a buddy or whatever that like get shared with only a few people. It's amazing to me how often I've been at weddings where I've seen that where like in the corner of the wedding, you know, there's like people who've popped a really fancy bourbon and they're all sharing it or like a want like don't it's just it's really tacky. And I think it happens a lot more than you would realize where people are like, well, this was this special bottle that was given to me and I really want to drink on my wedding day. Yeah, but you have a lot of guests there and you're, then you start creating this hierarchy and no, you never want to have a wedding where – People feel like they were important enough to be invited, but clearly not important enough to like share in whatever you were drinking with a few other people, right? Like just not cool. And then finally, and this probably goes without saying, but like don't have a fucking cash bar. Do you know how many places I worked where I had to work cash bar? I understand if, if, if it's expensive, then figure out what you can still af- afford to serve, whether that's then just beer or just white wine or just straight liquor, like whatever it is, figure it out. But cash bars, again, are a way that like you just hear so many guests complain. And I worked a lot of those in college, actually. And, you know, the guests start to get really resentful and they also leave early. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, this is a tricky thing because I certainly understand that for a lot of our a lot of people, you know, it's the it's daunting to look at the cost of what having an open bar looks like realistically in a wedding of any size really and certainly of of you know if you have more than i don't know 50 or 75 people it starts to really get up there and you you know depending on how you're paying for the wedding who's paying for it that can be a a real eye-watering figure i think like i said that like like adam said i think though that if if you're not if you or your family or whomever is paying is not able to or unwilling to cover the cost of it then just don't have it I think that's just a better bet. Like, it's just, I agree that it's, it's a little tacky and just like sets a weird vibe. It's, it's weird for the, as you experience it, it's weird for the service staff to sort of be keeping track of who owes what and, you know, taking payment and stuff like that. And you just kind of, yeah, you just don't want, like, I think you'd be better off saying, you know, maybe it's hard to say with a, you know, with your whole chest, but like, say just like, here's what we could, here's what we're providing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And wine And, that's it. And if you are the kind of person who attends a wedding and absolutely has to have spirits, well, then, you know, there's a bar across the street or whatever. Yeah, um, like, that may not be the case in every venue. But, you, like, I just think it's, it's yeah, it's just don't, don't, don't ask your, you know, your guests are almost always, you know, spending a fair bit of their own money to be there, you know, especially if they're traveling, but even if they're not. And just, if you can't cover it, then don't have it. Exactly. I mean, and I think, you know, all in all after that, you should be totally fine. I think, you know, the biggest thing that you should take away from this is sort of the the point you already made, Zach, which is if you are going to do anything that is sort of out of the norm, then you need to be intentional about it and you need to create signage, explain it to your guests, et cetera. Like people do appreciate that, right? So if you're going to have six cocktails, explain why it's those six cocktails. You know, just do a sign at the bar, whatever. But it makes people feel really involved in the experience right so same with the spirits that you pick if you're gonna pick stuff that's really if you're gonna have aquavit behind the bar like i'm sure tim will right because <laughs> tim likes aquavit uh like then explain why oh because that's how i you know i love to have aquavit and a beer great good for you that's awesome those things i think are very very important and then at the end of the day don't stress out about it too much like the other thing too is like 
the most important thing is for you to be there enjoying yourself out on the dance floor so that people are out there partying with you. And it's not as important for you to worry about, you know, if the drinks are getting executed correctly, which is, again, why I think you're better served creating drinks that are less of a headache than trying to do things that are super involved. Don't try to create the drinks you had at Pouring Ribbons, or you know, in the past or at Death and Company or Mr. Paradise or any of these other bars like these are. Uh, you know, amazing cocktail bars for a reason. Don't try to create their signature, recreate their signature cocktails at your wedding. Don't yeah. do it. If you if you need to hire them to come do your wedding, exactly. <laughs> like, that's your only option. Exactly. <laughs> create cocktails that are delicious and are classic and easy, and you will have a very, very, very good time. Yep. All right. Happy wedding season. Ah, yeah, enjoy it, folks. Please be responsible. Ish. <laughs> yep, Zach. I'll talk to you on Monday. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast, the flagship podcast of the Vine Pair Podcast Network. If you love listening to this show, or even if you don't, but I really hope that you do, as much as we really do love making it, then please drop us a review or a rating wherever it is that you get your podcast, whether that be iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere. If you are listening to this on a device right now through an app, however you got this audio, please drop a review. It really helps everyone else discover the show. And now for some totally awesome credits. So the Vine Pair podcast is recorded in our New York City headquarters and in Seattle, Washington, in Zach Jabal's basement. It is recorded by Zach, mastered and produced by Zach. He loves all the credit. Keep giving it to him. Drop his name in the reviews. He's going to love hearing how much you love him. It is also recorded in New York City by our tastings director, Keith Beavers, who is the managing director of the entire Vine Pair podcast network. I'd also love to give a shout out to our editor-in-chief, Joanna Sherino, who joins us on every single podcast as our third and most important host. Thank you as well to the entire VinePair staff and everyone who's been involved in making VinePair as special as it's become. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.